Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its flawless business resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have a great guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of vendor malpractice. Let's jump right in and meet Vicki McKim, the manager of enterprise business continuity with REI. Vicki, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you and your background and how you got started in the world of business continuity? I can. So about 30 years ago, I was working as an operations manager for a small company, and they came to me and said, by the way, other duties as assigned, you now have business continuity planning. So that's how I got started, and then I did it off and on as part of my job for several different companies. In 1999, I was working for an organization, Fortune 500 company, and they asked me to change positions. I was telecom manager for them. And you know, when you're doing networks, you're always thinking, "Uh uh-oh, what happens if it goes down? What do I do? And they said, you're a perfect fit for this new role that we want. And so that's when I transitioned to doing business continuity, disaster recovery planning full-time. Today, I work for Arion, and we're a network service provider for the state of Iowa. We have 3,000 miles of fiber backbone. We manage another 2,000 miles of fiber backbone in the state. We also connect all of the rural telephone companies to the outside world. We do managed services, and we have risk consulting as part of our business. So it sounds like you guys are in the business of connecting. (laughs) Yes, we are. So it sounds like you also have a, a bit of a dependence on vendors. We do. We do. And we are a vendor. So our clients have a, a deep dependence on us as well. Awesome. Well, that brings me to my next question. So can, can you share with us some examples of vendor malpractices that you've experienced that stand out to you? Sure. Over the years, I've run into things that are absolutely shocking that you would just never expect. One of them Our manager at one of the offices got off the elevator one morning and the smell was awful. He said he literally gagged. He pulled up his shirt and put it over his mouth and started running towards the office because there was water coming out from under the door and he opened the door and all this water drained out and he said it was black, it was dirty, and it stank to high heavens. All of our records, everything, They were doing life insurance at that particular office, and they had beneficiary cards with original signatures that were waterlogged in the cabinets. And what had happened was they were doing a renovation project on the floor above, and they had drained all the pipes. Everything was good, but they cut through one of those pipes, Mm. and it wasn't the plumbing. It was the sprinkler system. And 30 years of dirty water just drained down into the suite. It was awful. And what a mess to clean up from. I mean, we had to implement our disaster recovery plan because they had to shut down the building then because it was multi-story. And you can't be in a multi-story building without sprinklers. It's against fire code. Another one, a gal called me and she said, Vicki, there's a hole in the ceiling. And it doesn't look 
normal. It's curdled. And I'm like, what do you mean it's curdled? Well, the edges are ruffled like an mm. oyster. And I'm like, water doesn't do that. And she goes, and my eyes are burning. And I'm like, okay, you need to get everybody out of that, call for more air return, open the doors. If anybody's pregnant or has asthma, you know, we're doing all of this emergency response suddenly. We find out it's sulfuric acid and it ate through a pipe, ate through the concrete floor above us, ate through the ceiling tile, the desk, and was eating through the concrete floor below. And so a guy had been doing maintenance. The maintenance engineer was using a new product and he hadn't diluted it properly. Therefore, he just poured straight sulfuric acid into the drain that he was cleaning above our suite. So what did the insurance say about that? Um, I don't even remember because I don't do that part, you know. I just handle the emergency response and business recovery. Wow. Another one I had was um, a lady from a different office called me and she said, Vicki, she was like, you could tell her voice was shaking. She goes, a man just fell past our window. And I'm like, what did you say? She goes, a man, we were all in the conference room in a meeting. It was an all-employee meeting, and everybody saw it. This guy fell past the window, and we all saw him. We all ran to the window, and we all looked down. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not good, because they were on, like, the 10th floor. And so the guy didn't make it. It turns out he was a subcontractor for the property manager, he hadn't been trained to not work on a windy day. And so it was totally preventable. We had three weeks of severe post-traumatic stress disorder for our employees and productivity just went down the tubes. And we were still operational. You could go into the office, but people just couldn't get over it. And it was super disruptive to our organization. One more. Um, an email service provider. It was brand new. We had had an in-house thing that we were using and we were just going to transition. Now we were a supplier to a lot of wholesalers and so they bought our email platform and then they serviced their clients out of it. Well we decided we didn't want to support this platform. We were going to outsource our platform and so during this transition we thought great we've got all of our I's dotted, the T's crossed. Well the vendor wasn't exactly truthful about their capability. The transition went very, very poorly, and our wholesalers were down for three days. Their clients had no email for three days, and when they got it back up, for every email that had been delivered, they had 500 copies. So you can imagine the mess that we had to clean up. It was absolutely horrible. So when you look at that, there's a lot of things, just crazy things that happen that you don't expect your vendors to cause that kind of disruption mm -hmm. to your business mm -hmm. processes. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because people always ask me, well, what's the point? And simply, my response is always, when something happens to an organization or it's disrupted, the customer should never have to feel that impact. And that's yes. simply what, what we're about. So you've seen a lot, you've had a lot of experiences, and people call you and bad things happen. So what are some of the lessons learned that you have from a vendor malpractice perspective? Yeah, I just think, you know, you need to know what your vendors are actually doing in your facility. 
You need to know, um, are they training their people? What day do they train their people? Is it day one? Do they do that thorough training on day one, or is that a process that they go through? Especially when you look at cyber now, boy, cybersecurity is so important. If they're hiring new employees that are helping them and they're not training them on day one, that presents a huge amount of risk for your organization. Um, how do they supervise their employees or their subcontractors that are doing things for them as well? The other thing I always recommend is knowing what's in your building. And that goes beyond just what your vendors have in your building. You know, your property manager, they can tell you, yeah, we're green, but what happens when they decide to use a new product because they have something that's a little more difficult and they bring sulfuric acid into your building? How do they train on that? How is that approved? And so you have to look at actually what's in your building. I always recommend having material data sheets, even on the most benign types of cleaning fluids, you know, but when you're looking at air handlers and things like that, there's a lot of things that they use that are very, very toxic. And so as a person in any facility, whether you own it, whether you lease it, you should have material data sheets. Looking at event logs for your vendors, finding out how many times do they actually have outages. Do they have events that they have to respond to? The other thing is if they're not willing to give you that, you might go and ask them, is their insurance carrier an A-plus rated carrier? Because typically if they have a lot of claims against their insurance policies, they're not going to be able to get an A-plus um, carrier to take them. Having your building manager's cell phone that's always good. And then what's in your contract? Looking at your contract and looking at your contract through the eyes of, I am going to have to file a claim against this vendor at some point. And so what if it's trauma? Those are things that we don't even think about normally when we do a contract with a vendor. In buildings, you know, I always want my building vendors to show me their mechanicals. I walk into lots of facilities and over the years, beautiful buildings, 100-year-old buildings, the Art Deco, I mean, they're just stunning until you go in the basement and then you see 100-year-old mechanicals that are in the building and it's like, this isn't even safe. You know, their sprinkler systems are 100 years old when one was the last time that they were revised and things like that. And so you really want to look at that. Product or service recovery versus internal team recovery. A lot of them will tell you, yes, we have business continuity plans. What about their product recovery plan? Do they have one? If they have geodiverse recovery plans, that's great, but can one location handle all of the traffic or all of the fulfillment of any product that they have. So looking at capacity and not just that geodiversity. You definitely have the list of resources of what people need to be paying attention to. And it also sounds like it branches outside of your department. So I can imagine there's a bit of education that has to happen across the different business groups that you support. So from your perspective, why do vendors need to be a part of the risk management process or framework? And can you talk a little bit first about risk management from your standpoint and why vendors should be included? Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at risk management, really that's 
the overall process of getting rid of your exposures, whether you're looking at, you know, you should be analyzing your threats, looking at all the controls you have, and then you come up with your residual risk. Business continuity is, and disaster recovery, that's really focused on what you can't get rid of any other way. You plan for your residual risk. That's how those two disciplines dovetail together. So having your vendor part of that risk management program and you know, really scrutinizing how they handle their residual risk, that just holds them accountable to your standards. So once you embed them in your risk management process and make sure they're doing their testing and make sure that they're looking at what their threats and their vulnerabilities are, that just always only helps you as an organization to control that risk. And it reinforces the expectations you have of them. You have to have a risk management program too, not just a business continuity plan. So if I'm hearing you correctly, is it almost reactive to only have a business continuity program and not risk management? Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of companies do that. They'll say, yes, we have risk management. When they talk risk management, usually they're talking insurance. They're not actually talking enterprise risk management and governance. They're not looking at that. They'll say, yep, we manage our risk. And then, yes, we have a business continuity plan. And they're all smiles, but they want your money. And so <laughs> you really have to scrutinize them and ask them the hard questions. Okay, fair. So how do you define a successful or a robust vendor risk management program? And I mean to the detail of how do I know it when I see it? Yeah, so what I look for is I look for their policies first. I want to see a risk governance policy, risk management. Sometimes they'll call it risk and business resilience. You want to make sure that they've got the policies, that they have standards, that their life cycle is in it. You want to make sure that they're also looking for operational risk. A lot of people will look at strategic risk, they'll look at market risk, they look at financial risk, but normally operational risk is what takes you out. That's what takes you down. And so making sure that they have a really good feel for their operational risk and that they're doing that at least on a every other year basis and then updating it quarterly. The other thing I look at is what about their emergency response? A lot of times they'll say, yes, we have evacuation plans or yes, we have shelter plans. But it's more than that. It's a lot more than that when you look at emergency response. So making sure they have that, their business continuity, their DR plans, and making sure that they're testing regularly because that's what prepares their people for response. Honestly, if you have a really good program, your people are so ready, they don't even have to pull the plans out because they know them. And they just, it's like on autopilot for them. Yeah. <laughs> and so that regular training for their staff. The other thing I look for is how are they checking on compliance? Because they can have policies in place, but that doesn't mean that they're monitoring compliance. It can just be a piece of paper that sits in a cabinet. And so I look for that as well. And then I want the ability to audit. All of these things are measurable. And I think having measurable 
frameworks that you know year over year over year, yes, they've done this this year. Yes, they've trained their new employees. Yes, they're doing this. You know, and you can actually measure it because they can give you the logs. And you may have said this, but how often should a vendor be reviewing their risk program or plan? You know, if you're if you're doing a threat and assessment on a property, unless there's a major change, you only need to do it like every other year, maybe every three years. But you need to be updating that assessment every quarter. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Let's say I'm within a company and we don't have a vendor risk management program. We don't have a process. We don't have anything. Where within our company should we start to build that out? The first thing I think is really important is just determining the classification of the services and products you buy from any vendor. My pop machine vendor, they're going to get a lot less scrutiny than my cloud service provider, right? And just being able to define that and everything in between. So are they providing your technology to you? Is it your cloud? Is it your email? Are you purchasing electronics from someone? Well, you know, what kind of risk are you willing to assume there? Are you buying Huey from China? You know, and you know that there may be back doors in that stuff. So, you know, that's different, the kind of scrutiny you give to those things. And so classifying that is one way to do it. And then embedding those classifications and the hoops the vendors have to jump through for an RFP process or a procurement. You also want to then embed that in your risk management program so that you're revisiting that on an annual basis with that vendor. From your perspective, just to help me as I think about this, would you base the criticality of the products or services based upon the critical business functions? Yeah, which one, you know, if I take this one piece out, what kind of impact does that have on my operations? And then just ranking them low, medium, high, and very high. Just do it very simply. It doesn't need to be anything really complicated. It's still going to get you the end result. You're going to identify if I lose my email, if I lose my phone system, if I lose my internet, those things will take my office down. If I lose my pop, I can go get it at the grocery store if I need to. Gotcha. Okay. From your experience, are vendors typically prepared with proactive crisis management and business continuity programs? Why or why not? You're shaking your head no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so they'll tell you, yeah, we have disaster recovery. We have our backup tapes. Most often, they've never validated that any of those tapes are good, or they've never recovered from their cloud service provider. A lot of times, they'll say, yes, we have business continuity plans. It'll be about 10 inches of documentation, and nobody's ever read it, and they don't know what to do. So overall, when you look at that, most vendors that I've encountered, they haven't trained their employees. Their programs are really poor to fair at best. And I would say that covers almost 80% of the vendors until you get to the, like, the really big dump. And then they have to because of they're managing their own risk. And so if you're looking at small to mid-sized companies, a lot of them don't have it. And, but those are the vendors that a lot of companies buy from, right? A lot of vendors, I also find that they really trust and rely on their insurance. And then you always have to be aware that they really care about their bottom line. They're more concerned about their finances than they are about your business resilience.
Yeah. Well, that's true and unfortunate. But with that, we have accountability. So how do you hold vendors accountable? I look for certifications, you know, NIST, ISO, SOC 2, Type 2, those types of things. I look for audits. If they've had an independent audit of their risk management program, that's a good thing. Otherwise, I'll ask them if I can audit their business continuity and their risk management program myself. Ask them if you can observe their tests, their recovery testing. And then if they actually have recovery testing, you might want to, as you observe a few tests, then go on and ask them if you can do a joint exercise with them. Well, Vicki, it has been a pleasure <laughs> to chat with you today. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can always find me there. My office number is 515-830-0233, and my email address is Vicki, V-I-C-K-Y dot McKim, M-C-K-I-M as in Mary, at Arion, A-U-R-E-O-N as in Nancy, dot com. Wow, and there you have it, Vicki McKim on Vendor Malpractice. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Espalas Advisors. Look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asfalasadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded. 